Episode 282 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm Managing Editor Kirk Semenoff, sitting in for Bill. Midterm elections are coming up November 8th, with early voting already underway across the country. In Kansas, we have a gubernatorial election. One of our senators is up for re-election. All the House members, of course, and several important statewide and county races. Neil Allen, chairman of the Political Science Department at Wichita State University, joins me at episode 282 to talk about who and what is on the ballot and what expectations might be. But first, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. Shelby Kellerman has this week's cover story, looking deeper into the collaboration between the University of Kansas and Wichita State for a downtown Wichita biomedical campus. The $300 million project is looking for a downtown downtown home, and Shelby talks to leaders of both institutions to talk about the collaboration. Also be sure to look at a one-on-one interview with downtown Wichita's Jason Gregory, who has some interesting things to say about downtown's future with this project. The cover story begins on page 10. This week's list is the area's nonprofit executive compensation leaders. See who's on the list, see how much they earn, and look at our analysis story on how one nonprofit is looking for its next executive. The list is on page eight. Our Women Who Lead series returns this month with a look at women who lead in aviation and manufacturing. Meet them beginning on page 13. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lead section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 23. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. It's election season in the U.S. It's no different in Wichita and Kansas as well. It's an exciting time for political scientists for sure. So it's good to have Neil Allen of the Wichita State University Political Science Department to join me. Neil, thanks for being here for the podcast. Happy to be here. Before we begin talking about everyone else, let's talk about you a bit. What what do you teach at Wichita State? How did you get to the university? Tell me about yourself. Sure. Uh, I teach about American politics, parties and elections, uh, law and courts, and whatever uh, needs to be taught at any given time, especially considering I'm the chair of a department, which means that you do what's needed. Uh, and I came here from a small college in Minnesota where I taught before grad school at the University of Texas, and I'm from Indiana originally. Uh, so to, pol- to political scientists, is Election Day like the Super Bowl and the run-up? Is it like the playoffs? Is this an exciting time for you or any different than any other time? Uh, it is for me, although not all political scientists study elections or are really interested in them. Uh, if you go to a political science conference, uh, there's lots of things discussed that aren't elections and often what people are really doing is seeing their friends and trying to get new jobs, just like any professional group. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but for me, it, it clearly is. And, um, and also um, being here in Wichita uh, and in Kansas has been a real opportunity to, um, 
take advantage, frankly, of the fact that fact that I'm in a media market that doesn't have a lot of political scientists in it. So I could do things like this. And uh, and there's lots of opportunity. And also in Wichita, we happen to be a place that has um, interesting elections every year. And so, uh, you know, the campaigns, you know, um, more or less already started for mayor uh, in a year. But, you know, democracy never stops. So, uh, so yeah, but, and this one's going to be really interesting because we have a lot of really interesting Kansas races and local races. And what has been seen the, the past few cycles is that, you know, there's a lot of important things that are competitive, which when I moved here in 2011, um, it was not clear that uh, Kansas was going to have competitive two-party politics anymore, but it clearly, uh, at least at the governor level and some other races, is a you know very competitive place. You mentioned interesting elections, and I want to go back to August second, which is interesting for the entire nation. Um, and I wonder if it's a backdrop for this one. You know, Kansas resoundingly defeated a measure on the ballot that would have given the legislature the the ability to to further restrict abortion, and that was a national head turner. And I guess I'm wondering whether you think that kind of momentum means anything for this upcoming election. Well, the the amendment vote clearly means something for the election that coming up to it, the kind of conventional wisdom was that the yes side would probably win and but maybe narrow more narrowly than most of us expected. And then that would energize the Democratic base and help Governor Kelly and other candidates coming into the fall election. Now, something very different happened that almost none of us expected. And so the positive thing for the Democrats is that they have a victory to celebrate. And also they have a lot of data about what voters are supportive of at least of the abortion part of their agenda. And what really matters there are the younger unaffiliated voters, in particular female voters who voted for either the first time or 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 what we call um, low propensity voters. And then the question is, are they going to come out and vote? And if they do, are they actually going to vote for Democrats? Because these voters tend to not be very positive about either political party. But on the flip side, uh, Governor Kelly doesn't have this kind of rallying cry to um, preserve her in office as the last defender of reproductive rights. And you can tell from her campaign that she's really not talking about abortion as much as other Democratic candidates in other parts of the country are. And but I mean, it clearly was a very big deal. And also, you can see in Attorney General Schmidt's campaign a kind of rethinking of a sort of the Republican position on abortion, where it is still against abortion rights, but is willing to accept ideas of exceptions. And also Schmidt has been interesting in in talking about the idea that he accepts the decision. And I think, uh, and, but the amendment though should not be seen as a sign that Kansas is a a, a complete two-party competitive state or that it is a, uh, that Democrats are going to be the dominant party because just to give you one statistic, the uh, electorate that turned out on August August 2nd, that electorate was 56% female. 
and which usually the electorate's about 51% female. And that's and the, the the electorate for this fall election is going to come back to what we normally see. And is that just natural or has that been uh, a lack of, I, just from what I have witnessed over the past couple months, a lack of juice. I, I, I see gubernatorial ads, but I don't see the, just the enthusiasm for any candidates. And I'm wondering, is that more of a, of a, a ballot question enthusiasm over people in, in, in positions? Uh, I think it's, it is about the difference between the ballot question as opposed to, uh, to candidate elections. And also for most of uh, the statewide uh, offices, we really are, are going to see uncompetitive elections. So the Democrats will likely do better than they usually do for races like uh, treasurer or um, secretary of state, maybe with the exception of, of the last cycle. But uh, the action really is in the governor's race and the attorney general race. Right. And that abortion fits in a complicated way in both of those races where um, Governor Kelly uh is mostly back to her more centrist uh, approach to at least campaigning. And also in the attorney general race, uh, Chris Kobach, who is a familiar um, name to anybody who follows Kansas elections or government, Kobach is uh, uh, running his standard kind of uh, anti-federal government anti-government in general campaign, but he no longer has abortion to be his issue that he's going to going to sue anyone who violates his principles on. Mm-hmm. And so I, but also, you know, that, um, you know, once a race is settled, at least in the short term, you know, most voters move on to something else and so do campaign professionals. Right. I want to go down our imaginary ballot for November 8th. Uh, let's let's dive in. We'll spend two seconds on U.S. Senate. Jerry Moran is certainly expected to breeze, breeze past Tom Holland, the Democratic candidate. Anything interesting about this race except the final score? Uh, you know, that's a good way to say it. It's this is this is I mean, this is like a uh, this is like a basketball game where it's going to be a blow up. But the question is whether it's 20 points or 40 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Um, in in Holland, the Democrats have about as good a candidate as they've had against Moran, that he's got elected experience. He has a background as a minister. Um, if he were running for a different office, then he might have a shot or to get a, against a different candidate. But Moran, I think you could say, except for in some ways, Governor Kelly is the only popular politician remaining in Kansas. Interesting. Uh, how about the U.S. House races here in the fourth district? Ron Estes, the Republican, is running for re-election for a, a third full term after replacing Mike Pompeo. Doesn't figure to be challenged again, does he? No, no. The uh, this district is is I don't know if you'd say moving uh, Republican, but uh, it the Democrats have a candidate and it's and he is better than they've had um, you know against Pompeo for most of the time. And back in the earlier part of the decade, but but no, this won't be competitive. Neither will um, the other uh, uh, 
two uh, races in, that cover this part of the state, the first district, which is mostly the western part of the state, and the second, which is mostly the eastern part that is in Kansas City, there's no uh, real chance of a competitive election. But if we go to the third district, however, then that looks to be a barn burner. Um, Sharice Davids is um, running for re-election as a Democrat, uh, and um, Annette Atkins, uh, or Amanda Atkins, sorry, uh, uh, what is a uh, you know a credible opponent, and right that right now that one looks about fifty fifty. It'd be interesting to see if yeah the Republicans can can sweep all four again. Okay, so let's go back to the to the governor's race, and this is where I kind of channeled my inner political scientist when I throw out this note. I looked this up. In a state that I would call, you know, conservative with some occasional middle of the roadness, uh, Kansans since 1957 have had seven Republican, seven Democratic governors, and a Democratic governor has not lost a re-election bid since George Docking in 1960. Does that mean anything to this race? Well, the general pattern is interesting in not just that Democrats haven't lost re-election, but also that we've had fairly regular alternation between uh, both both parties. And in recent years, two years for one and two years for the other. Now, that's the kind of thing we see a lot in the presidential level. And on the state level, it often is local circumstances. The old pattern was Kansas would alternate between Democratic governors, usually fairly moderate um, and sometimes even conservative in lots of ways. And then the other other part of it of the cycle would be moderate Republicans. And the last um, examples of those were Governor Joan Finney elected 1990 and Bill Graves, Republican, who was a moderate in 94. But it is true that Democrats haven't lost re-election in quite a long time. But Finney, who got elected in 1990, would have... uh, would would have lost re-election by a landslide in '94, as most Democrats um, did, and and then um, Graves uh, was a very different kind of Republican than current Republicans, and and that's shown by the fact that he, along with pretty much every other moderate Republican who uh, major office holder in recent Kansas history, has endorsed Governor Kelly, and even though. He, um, uh, Attorney General Schmidt actually was a lawyer for Governor Graves. Mm-hmm. And and so Kelly is in a lot of ways in the tradition of the more moderate Democrats. But if you look at a, most of her issue positions, they're not that different than national Democrats. There's a real style difference. And Kelly also clearly doesn't have a lot of patience for um liberal or left or progressive democratic um radicalism or or um the 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 positions that tend to be more popular in places like California but in general Kelly is a get down to business former state senator um who worked in schools and so she's more focused on the operational details of government mm-hmm. um than um than others might be and uh but I think and also attorney general Schmidt is a figure who came into the legislature and as a state senator was pretty much in the middle of his party. Some would have even called him a moderate. He had pretty good working relationships with lots of Democrats. But now his positioning is not as conservative as somebody like Chris Kobach, but is clearly a kind of standard model Republican 
in our 2022 time. Have they each uh, run good races, good campaigns? What have you been? What have been your impressions? And like you said, I, I think earlier that did they kind of mold their campaigns after August second in the abortion amendment vote? Uh, I mean, if Kelly or Co- or sorry, I almost said Kobach because you know still thinking 2018. Um, if Kelly wins or Schmidt wins by a small amount or loses by a small amount, I don't think the campaign is going to be the most important factor. That national trends are probably the most important. And also, if Kelly wins, it'll be some evidence that the Republican Party still has weakness resulting from the brownback tax time. And the um, and the, the Republicans have been declining um, in, in like presidential elections compared to the national vote in the last two cycles. And a lot of that is just hangover from the brownback time. Uh, it's not clear whether that's going to be enough for Governor Kelly right now. I I think it's a coin flip. It, and but with uh, with Schmidt and Kelly's campaigns. Well, if you th- with Schmidt, I think he has clearly hasn't made any mistakes. Uh, he's. Uh, been very targeted on taking advantage of culture war vulnerabilities that Kelly has. You've seen some recent stuff about uh, very indirect, if uh, any kind of funding for um, drag queen events here around Wichita, which seems to be the case of an organization that gets money from one, from a group uh, uh, violating its agreement by putting the logo on a different, uh, on a different event. But, you know, that's a kind of issue that can appeal to a lot of a lot of conservative voters. Uh, the uh, one uh, thing that Schmidt has done that I think is somewhat questionable or at least interesting is how strong a stance he took against President Biden's student loan forgiveness order, that that's a position uh, that Schmidt took that to say that Biden's um, action is unconstitutional, that has a strong argument for it. There's also an argument, not just on constitutional grounds, but on um, kind of moral uh, or at least um, justice grounds. But that was a suit of choice by Attorney General Schmidt. Not all Republican attorney generals have joined that lawsuit. It's not a situation like his um, activity in defending the state against lawsuits involving school funding back as attorney general. This is him taking a policy position and one that you could argue isn't the best for his campaign because the democratic uh, national strategy clearly is to argue that for younger voters and voters who are economically struggling, that the Democrats are, are your champions because they're helping you with student loans. But Schmidt has a different position. At the statewide level, as we as we tape this, we're about twelve days from the elect from election day, and of course, there's early voting going on. At the statewide level, can can elections be won or lost in these last twelve days, or are voters' minds made up? Most voters' minds will be made up, and you could notice that if, for example, you're somebody who is a registered Republican and usually votes Republican, you might be getting some. Uh, Uh, some contact from Democratic campaigns right now and maybe the last couple of weeks, especially if you voted no, um, 
if you're a new voter uh, on the referendum or might have voted in a Democratic primary in the past. But in general, now is the time whenever the parties shift to only focusing on their core supporters to get them out to vote. What the and also you mentioned that it's you know that it's not election day it's like election right you know we should say week two weeks something like that this really limits how much late events can affect uh, things and also if either party or a given candidate had any you know gotcha information uh, we probably would have seen it already. Mm-hmm. And and so um, and for the other statewide races, really, the only besides governor, the only one that I can see being competitive is the attorney general race. That's only because Kobach is the nominee and uh, he consistently runs behind the Republican uh, ticket. He's been the low man every time he's ever run for statewide office in really good Republican years like 2010 and 2014. Uh, you know, the the statewide wave can bring him in. This time it's unclear. Um, I think this is a toss up. If anything, I'd probably give the advantage to Kobach right now because the national trends tend to be pushing a little bit more Republican. But the Democrats have a serviceable candidate, Chris Mann, who's run a very vanilla campaign uh, and talking about a kind of general trust in government um, and an uh, idea. And also he... Um, uh, he's really emphasizing his law enforcement background. And I could see that one being close. But the other ones, I mean, the Democrats have, a, you know, a good candidate in Lynn Rogers, who's the current state treasurer. He's raised uh, funds pretty well and has run a very active campaign. But his opponent, uh, State Representative Stephen Johnson, who really doesn't have much of a campaign at all, is still, uh, you know, the the huge favorite. And the same thing is true for Secretary of State and Insurance Commissioner as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's turn to the Cedric County Commission. There are three races there, Jim Howell in District 5, which is Derby in that part of the county, uh, Pete Meitzner in Northeast County, Cedric County, East Wichita, and Lacey Cruz, District 4, which is kind of Northwest, North Central uh, all, they all have challengers. Uh, what it, it seems like Lacey Cruz and challenger Ryan Beatty, who's the mattress hub owner, uh, is is the is the key race, the, the the most interesting race. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. The other two races where commissioners Howell and Meitzner are running for reelection, those don't look to be that competitive. The Democrats do have candidates uh, that. Um, Howell has a lot of vulnerability uh, on issues because he takes a conservative stance that really doesn't fit well with a lot of his of his district. The trouble is there just isn't enough of a Democratic base uh, there, even though there is a good bit of Southeast Wichita in it, um, that, you know, he's really only vulnerable in a kind of Democratic landslide year. Uh, and Meitzner as well looks to be pretty solid. Um, and actually, the, maybe the more interesting thing with Meitzner is whether his uh, re-election uh, is just the beginning of a campaign for mayor next year, which is quite possible. And he would be a particularly strong candidate and would come from the area where, where Mayor Whipple was by far the weakest last time in the east side of town. Now, the Lacey Cruz uh, Beatty race, that's a very, very um, competitive race, that it's the one uh, district that is the least Republican in a Republican-leaning county, 
that's the reason why uh, Cruz was able to take out incumbent Richard Ranzall last time. But uh, Lacey Cruz has um, been in the newspapers and other media uh, in the way that candidates would rather not. Um, anytime that you are you are saying that uh, the uh, that when you that you, when you're when you were in a bar that the African American uh, uh, bar back who wouldn't give you her name that you you actually called her Sheena and not something more offensive uh, is um, not a good not a good uh, argument to be making to voters. Cruz has clearly um, set herself out as a champion of. Um, parts of the county that uh, have been left behind by economic development, that uh, she's working to try to bring out the Democratic base in the African-American and Lat Latino, Latina parts of the county, most of which are in her district. And Cruz um, has, you know, a strong base and a following among Democratic um, activists and voters. Uh, and if she was running against a candidate who was a, a current or former elected official um, from, for example, a, the northwest uh, part of the county, I think she would likely be lose, likely lose. Now, I think it may be a toss up. If anything, I'd be leaning toward Beatty right now. And um, also that um, the Sedgwick County Commission, you know, is not going to go back to the kind of extreme anti-government, um, anti-spending uh, uh, kind of almost conspiratorial politics that we had four and six years ago. But the, the kind of general pro-business, pro-development consensus of the commission should remain no matter what. And really the kind of question is, uh, whenever uh, the, um, you know, uh, Dennis and Meitzner need another vote, is, is there going to be one available for them uh, in Beatty, or do they have to have to either get, get Howell or Lopez? Right. Good stuff. <clears throat> there, there are two statewide ballot questions, and, and there's one ballot question in Wichita. I wanted to start with that one. Uh, you know, for, for almost 30 years, voters in the Wichita school district boundaries have been able to vote for candidates in all districts, not just their own. And a question this year, if it's approved, would change it back to only votes within a district counting for those candidates. It seems to be common sense. It seems to be the things we do in every other level of, of voting. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is actually somewhat common for school boards. It actually was how uh, things were done in the small rural suburban county where I grew up in Indiana. The, po the, the point of this, is, the current system, is to make sure that a given area has representation on the school board, but also can affect elections for the entire board. And that... Um, has a certain logic to it. The trouble is that you can have situations where candidates uh, uh, win large majorities in their given area, but still lose. And so we've had that twice actually in the district that includes much of uh, the north central and northeast part of Wichita, where you had um, 
Betty Arnold, an African-American candidate who um, was representing the most African-American part of town, she lost to Ben Blakely. And even though she won uh, a large majority in her district and then Blakely lost uh, last time that, that, that his the seat was up and I haven't seen numbers, but I'm sure he won a majority in his district, but lost it in, in the rest of the of the of the full uh, school district boundaries. And so I'm in general in favor of this. And because I think it does give more representation to particular areas um, and. If you would rerun the last school board elections, which of course it's never entirely possible to do, uh, you probably would have a slightly different result in a couple of seats uh, where uh, because the 1776 coalition group that came with a kind of right wing uh, culture war challenge uh, to incumbents, they uh, did well on the more suburban parts of the city. Mm -hmm. But I mean, but I think it's the kind of thing where it, um, voters are are advised to think through whether they want um, representation uh, in uh, that gives them a chance to have more say on one member of the of the council and then a little bit on uh, on one at large member or whether they want a little bit of of influence on everybody. Right. And then briefly, the the two statewide measures in some ways really have a deeper impact than any of the the political races. Can you talk about those? Sure. And although the impact of these two are is not going to be nearly as far reaching as the abortion amendment was, but uh, amendment one is a legislative veto that would put simply allow the state legislature to pass something that looks like a resolution, gets a majority in both houses, and then could overturn an action of an executive branch official, which that means the governor, the health secretary, the education secretary, and any real, any rule or regulation of any part of state government. Some states have this, most don't. In Kansas, it would probably mean not much when the Republicans have the governorship, I mean a lot when the Democrats do, because our legislature is not going to be democratically controlled um, until we have massive shifts that are hard to even imagine. Sure. And then the, the the second ballot question for statewide is kind of an interesting the one that includes how sheriffs are elected. That's right. So in Kansas, almost all of us as citizens and also anyone who happens to be uh, physically present in a Kansas county uh, is protected and served by a elected county sheriff. The only county in the state that differs from this is Riley County, where Manhattan is located. They have now changed in recent years to an appointed system. So they appoint a sheriff the same way that cities appoint police chiefs, like here in Wichita, we just uh, appointed police chief Sullivan. The amendment would lock in the elected systems in all counties except Riley. Riley would be able to keep their current system, but if they ever changed, they would have to change to an elected system. This wouldn't make much of a difference for most citizens of Kansas. In Wichita and Sedgwick County, it would make it nearly impossible to consolidate law enforcement uh, uh, services and authority, but that's highly unlikely. There is some possibility in Johnson County of moving to an appointed system 
partly because there is a strong difference of priorities between the elected sheriff and the elected um, county uh, government. But uh, it, uh, if it passes, uh, will probably have very little effect on most Kansans' lives, except for making it somewhat easier to remove sheriffs by recall. Well, Neil, it's been great to be able to pick your brain about the upcoming election. I, I, I certainly appreciate it. Uh, I'm, I know you and I will both be watching November 8th on the, at, at night. Because it's going to be an interesting night. Thank you That's for being right. here. That's right. And uh, right now, my my plan is to be on Cake News. Uh, but, um, you know, it's uh, but it's just always a fun time to be somebody that likes elections. And if you're hearing this and you haven't voted, I encourage you to do so. If you don't think it matters, then you're not paying attention. That's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 282. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.